The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. And it won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will you surrender to His majesty. He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which He stands. In perfect victory, while you have breath. have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to he is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. In this broadcast, I'm not going to try in any way to cover up or to gussy up, to shine it. This is going to be straight and raw. It's about getting scrubbed up by God, by the Holy Spirit, being made ready for the kingdom above. Now, unfortunately, most of that scrub-up is going to have to happen with some pain. There's no way to avoid this. Four weeks ago, I fell. Tumbled down the stairs. Landed on my hip, my right hip, and my right leg. It's been a haze of pain since then. People have said, have you gone to the doctor? And I've answered, yes, of course. I went to Dr. Jesus. And Dr. Jesus will do the work he promised he would do. He will heal my leg. He promised he would carry me. That means he will carry me. I'm going to show you the real in the hopes that you can identify with the real. I don't want to just give you a pretty smile. No, I want the real deal. I want Jesus. I'm here for Jesus and to be made like him. I'm not a victim. I've learned some things during this time. Let me share some of what I've learned and what I'm learning right now. I was up most of the night, awake much of the time, answering some questions that the Lord was asking me and allowing him to make the changes necessary to bring me up to the standard that he has for me. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to fall down the stairs to grow in Jesus, but something will happen. You will suffer stern discipline from God. And how you handle that stern discipline will be the difference between heaven and hell. We serve a frightening God. He does not play around. 
He plays for keeps. The first thing he told, told me after this fall, turn your cell phone off. Get quiet before me. Now, I was addicted to my cell phone. I was constantly checking it, taking messages, looking at the latest news, looking at the latest development in a number of areas. Lord said, turn it off. And so my cell phone, I use very, very little now. Only for times of real need. Number two, he said, don't go in the studio except to go live on air with a new broadcast. Well, that's hard for me because I have that big, beautiful screen and I like to watch videos. I like to stay in touch with with what's happening in the world. Stay out of the studio. Only go in when you're going to produce another broadcast. Well, you see, obviously, the aim of these two commands that came very quickly after I fell. And that is to get me quiet before God. He had some things he wanted to say to me, and he had some things he wanted to do in me. And he couldn't because of the noise level. He had to reduce the noise level of my heart to cut out the entertainment. Innocent, but entertainment. I liked a a video that came out regularly of of a man and his family who did uh, haul-outs from desert areas and mountain areas. He said, turn it off. All right, I did. And then yesterday morning, Someone sent me a message about another man who was passing stuff out on the Internet saying I had done some things, and he was lying. I never did it. He was sharing lies with some other pastors. I was devastated. I was angry as I could be. I quickly shot off to him a response. Stop invading my privacy. I was extremely defensive. Fortunately, I did not speak with him in person because I would have had some very 
angry, angry things to say to him. Well, this happened, and all day yesterday kind of just boiled in my heart. And the Lord said to me, Are you willing to be of no reputation? I said, Whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to have a reputation. No. If you look at Philippians, the second chapter, beginning in verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation. Made himself of no reputation. King James Version. Well, I've tried very hard all of my life to have a good reputation. I was always told that it was necessary to have a good reputation. Until God asked me the question, and I thought, frankly, it was a very unfair question. Are you willing to be of no reputation? Well, no, I'm not. I want my reputation. Well, I've had to come to terms with that. Part of what the Lord has continually probed me with. You really want to be somebody with a reputation? Well, let me ask you. Let's say you discover that someone is undermining you, and lying about you. Would that be all right with you? Now, we can quickly answer and say, oh, yes. It's okay, because I just, I give it to Jesus. Oh, that's very religious sounding. But in fact, you have to deal with the issue. How do you respond to someone who deliberately puts you down, undercuts you, and says you've done things that you did not do, lying about you? Would that make you angry? Or am I just a strange bird? Well, the Lord continued to probe and and press and ask me the question. Till finally he began to work in my soul. And I said, Jesus, you were of no reputation. So what do I need a reputation for? Oh, people will respect you if you have a reputation. Will people respecting me get them to heaven? No. What will get them to heaven is... Surrender to Jesus, washed by his blood, and made into his image. Obedience to the Holy Spirit as he calls me to walk and be purified in Jesus Christ. 
So finally, in the early hours of this morning, I said, okay, Lord, would you take away all of my reputation? I want it gone. I don't want to be influenced or controlled in any manner by somebody saying, if you do this, then I'll respect you. If you don't do this, I won't respect you. And finally, he's brought me through. So that today, I'm very clear in my spirit that I'm willing to be of no reputation. And part of that, may I be honest, part of that change in me has come out of being isolated in a haze of pain where I have to cry out to Jesus and I have to wait upon him. Who am I? I'm nobody. Jesus is everybody. Jesus is everything. He's the love of my life. My heart goes out to him. So, this journey that I'm sharing with you of of discipline, I admit there have been some very dark nights where I've had to face the reality and say, will I be a cripple all the rest of my life? Because right now I can put no weight on that right leg. Would it be okay? if I'm a cripple for the rest of my life. And I've been under a very dark cloud part of that time with with my heart crying out and saying, I don't want to be a cripple. And the devil comes and he says, go to the doctor then. The doctor's the answer. Now, I'm not against doctors. But that's not the issue, is it? Am I willing to be whatever Jesus makes me? Whatever cuts out of my life, what I enjoy most. Now, I'll, I'll tell you straight up. One of our precious members in the church brought me a walker. I could, with that walker, go out and and do some things. I mean, if it's going to hurt here or hurt there, what's the difference? Let it hurt. But you know what my heart said? No, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that until Jesus finishes this work in my heart. And when he finishes this work in my my heart and my spirit, I know he'll heal me and he'll restore me. Now I'm telling you, there is nothing like a little pain to get a man's attention. And he either turns toward the doctor and the medications or he turns toward Jesus. I know that right now, 
We've got to get to Jesus. So any way the Lord wants to bring me is okay with me. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm rejoicing in Jesus. But I tell you, this Jesus is no picnic. Let me share a bit more. And by the way, this is a an intro to this week's broadcast. And tomorrow I'm going to focus on God is a terrifying God. He means to take us all the way to a point where we either deny him or we obey him. Where we either believe in him or our heart is filled with unbelief. And since I'm being straight up today, I'm going to tell you on some of these very dark nights that I've endured, there has been a place in my heart I've discovered of just raw unbelief as the devil lies to me and I have to fight him back with scriptures. Doubt has to be erased from our hearts. And we've got to put our full confidence in Jesus and in his blood. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. He has to become everything to us. We've got to turn aside from the television. We've got to turn aside from worldly entertainment. We've got to turn aside from the foolishness of these video games. And parents... If you're allowing your children to play video games by the hour, you are preparing them for hell, not heaven. And their blood will be upon you. And it will burn in your bones. Because you took them to hell. And many of you put the TV out and let the kids watch the TV shows. The responsibility will be on you because you did not say to them, no, no. You even allowed the television to continue being in your home when you should have tossed it out on its ear. I'm being straight up. It's up to you whether you get to heaven with your family or whether your family goes to hell by what you say and do before them. It's real. That's where it's at. Some of you have prepared your children extensively for dancing, for basketball, for baseball. But you've been too busy. Even read the Bible to them. Or to talk about what's really going on in their hearts. Now I'm not going to go into it, but I'm going to say this 
My mom and dad were about as straight-laced as they come down the road. But my brothers and I lived a separate life that they never knew about that was very destructive for me. It was very destructive. And I've had to come up through that wickedness and break it off my heart by the power of the blood of Jesus. If if mom and dad were here and I confronted them, they'd say, we never knew. Well, why didn't you know? Did you ask? No, you never asked. You never imagined that your kids could get into such trouble. Why didn't you? The heart is desperately wicked. I can guarantee you. Some of your children are sneaking out of the house at night. And then sneaking back in. After having partied. And drunk. And you never knew it. Why not? Because you didn't stay up and make sure your children were safe. At home. Well, let me read this for you. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Literally, let us throw off everything that you have your arms around that you love in this world. And the sin that so easily entangles, that is, the sin that stands around you, dancing around you, enticing you. He's saying, throw it off. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Not on YouTube. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Not on that. Not on that thing that we want so badly. Whether it's a new car or a truck. The question is, would you use it for the kingdom for Jesus? Or is this just simply self-indulgence? He says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you might not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. That word 
punishes is literally he flogs. He gives you a beating. I've had a pretty severe beating. Now, you can go off on some fairy tale Jesus. It's the prominent Jesus of our day. Love, 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 love. Some people make me sick to my stomach when they say, I love you, Ray. Because there's no evidence of that love. There is just the opposite. Judgment. Nastiness. Putting down. Saying, I love you, or sending you a pretty card that says, I love you, and there is absolutely nothing to back that up, means it's a fool's errand. Now, thank you. A number of you have sent cards or written a letter. I can tell you, those who have done that are people that I have the utmost respect for because... There's great action behind their words of love. But I have other people who say, I love you, Ray, or I love you, Pastor. No evidence. See, I don't care much about words. I care about actions. What are you backing up with actions? Are you saying something that's devoid of any meaning? I've had people say, Pastor, I love you. And I laugh at them and I say, no, you don't. There's no evidence that you do. If there's no evidence, you don't love that person. Love love includes sacrifice of time, energy, money. I have great love for those of you who give regularly for this broadcast. Gail, Dirk, Mike, Joan, and many others. Chris, Beth. You're not just saying, oh, I love you. And I love your broadcast and, and thank no, you're you're putting something solid behind it and saying, I want to be a part of making sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forward. So don't blow air in my ear. When you say I love you, mean it with solid actions. Now, I want to follow this with straight out of that scripture. Endure hardship as discipline. That means everything that happens to you in your life, any illness that is upon you, any any brokenness that has come into your life, the Lord is saying, Use it. Use it. Endure it. 
Maybe God didn't even send it. Use it. Some of you may be miserable today in your pain. Use that pain to ask Jesus what he wants to teach you and how he wants to scrub you up, clean you up, so that your comfort zone is broken and you can get ready for heaven. Look, only one thing matters. Walking like Jesus walked. He endured great hardship. He was of no reputation. They said, you didn't heal that person. The devil did. They lied about Jesus. And finally, they crucified him on that cross. Use every hardship, lack of money, lack of food, lack of whatever. Use that as a wonderful tool to get at your condition, your true condition before a holy God. Don't play games with God. Use everything he provides for you to help you get through by the blood of Jesus and be purified. Notice, God is treating you as sons, that hardship you're enduring. He's saying God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline. Everyone doesn't understand that that discipline is to be used in your heart to soften your heart, to turn your heart toward Jesus and cause you to become rich in praise and honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, it turns your heart bitter and angry. That's pride. It's playing the victim. It says, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share In his holiness. That's what we want. We want every pain and every ache. We want every brokenness to be used by the Holy Spirit to wedge us into a place of submission before God. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Oh, I can tell you about that. This leg I'm sitting on is so painful. But you know what? I'm rejoicing in it. Because that brokenness is bringing me into the direction of the Holy Spirit. Get rid of your cell phone. Get rid of the the entertainment. Reconsider your 
self-esteem. There was a foolish man at the Crystal Cathedral who wrote a book entitled, I had it, self-esteem. You know what? In the old days, self-esteem was not something good. It was something evil. The focus of our hearts, the focus of my heart, is not to be on what Ray Greenlee wants. The focus of my heart has to be on others. How can I unselfishly serve my brother and my sister? How can I unselfishly serve Jesus Christ? My value system is others first. I'm last. Others first. I'm last. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees and make paths for your feet, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Bitterness, discouragement, rebellion, all of those make our feet stumble. So I'm saying to you today, as a fellow sufferer, some of you are suffering much, much worse than I am. As a fellow traveler, I'm saying, please, take all hardship as discipline from God. And make a decision. Are you willing to be of reputation? That's the question. Are you willing to be of no reputation? Where you lay your life down. And yes, there are hardships. There's pain. That's part of life. Will you accept that as discipline from God? And will you allow God to work in your life to prepare you for eternity? Make every effort to live in peace with all men. This is Hebrews 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Well, how does 
How do we become holy? By submitting to Jesus and submitting to the Holy Spirit. And when he asks you a question like, are you willing to be of no reputation? Let the question burrow in under your skin and let the question draw you into a place where finally you say, Holy Spirit, I'm willing. Change me. And suddenly, he'll break its power in your life. Today, I'm of no reputation. I praise God. Only God could take away my desire that's been with me all of my life to have that wonderful reputation that everyone will look at and admire and say, there's a good man. No, I'm not a good man. There's only one good man, and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm just a follower of his. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And that holiness only comes out of hardship and discipline. I suggest you ask Jesus, what needs to happen next in my life? to bring me into a place of reverence and awe for you, Jesus. To bring me into that place of, okay, I'm going to praise Jesus no matter what. I'm going to worship him regardless of what I feel like. You see, my life is not about what I feel. My life is about Jesus and what he does and what he's called me to do. You know, I don't have to be on the radio broadcast. I could still have broadcasts aired from before. I have, I don't know how many, maybe 1,500. That's not what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, go on air. Let him see your faces is white today coming out of a very painful night of decision-making and struggle and a leg that wouldn't get quiet. Okay. I'm on my way. Listen. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights to the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, He was rejected. He couldn't bring about changes of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Esau could not change the fact that he sold his birthright to his younger brother. You've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a a trumpet blast 
were such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that he no further speak to them because they were terrified and they could not bear what was being commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am terrified with fear. No, you've come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn. Whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If you did not escape, if they did not escape, when they refused him who warned them on the earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God accordingly with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. You hear what I'm saying? Our God is a terrifying God. I'll go more into that tomorrow. But what I want you to see is that every hardship that has come into my life serves a very specific purpose of getting me quiet before Almighty God, getting me to be very sensitively attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit, now, did God bring that fall on you? Did God bring that auto accident on you? I don't know. But what I know is that that event, whatever it has been, whatever the pain is, whatever the trouble is, God wants you to use it to give him your full attention to turn from all bitterness of heart. Most often, people respond to pain by quickly trying to get it relieved. And if that fails, their heart turns cynical and cold. I'm begging you. Let God melt your heart today. He loves you with an everlasting love. Let him have his way in your heart. 
Let him prepare you for eternity. For that's all that matters. Your reputation does not matter. Your reputation does not matter. What matters is Jesus' reputation. He wants you to come to him right now. Give up your bitterness. Give up your anger. Don't choose it. Choose instead the peace of God. Choose instead the love of God. No matter what's happening to you, I can tell you right now, God loves you. God loves you. Now let's pray. Almighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords, it comes on all men and all women, even children. Discipline sent by you, Father, to rebuke us, to turn us from the way of darkness and self-indulgence, to turn us toward the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But sometimes that discipline is very painful. And I pray today especially for those who say, I can't endure one more moment of this. Or especially for those who are even dying right now. Lord, those who have Alzheimer's, those who are hopeless in their hearts, Lord, I pray you will come even now in their testing, that you will touch them and bring relief to their mind, to their body, and to their spirits. Lord, I turn to you with all of my heart and cry out for my brother and sister and say, Lord, please send your Holy Spirit in healing power. Send your Holy Spirit to comfort and to bind up the wounds caused by the devil. Lord, I ask you to give us the courage to face reality as it is and to make a decision in the midst of whatever that reality is right now that we want you, Jesus, and we lay our lives down for you. Lord, I praise you and I honor you. Thank you. Thank you. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Great is your kindness. Great is your love. For we are your children, and you are our Father. So, Lord, I ask you to please get the attention of every man and every woman doing in their hearts and in their bodies and in their lives whatever is necessary to get their attention. Lord, there is that beautiful prayer of heaven. 
the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. O Lord, I am asking now that your will would be done in the heart and life of every person who will listen to this broadcast. Lord, do not hold back, but do whatever is necessary to get their attention before they're swept away into eternity. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you for listening. Share this with a friend. I'd love to hear from you. Write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. I thank you for giving. I thank you for helping to carry this broadcast on the air. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.